Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. For today's episode, we had the amazing, beautiful opportunity to sit down with Christina Luna and deep dive into a conversation that deeply challenged the narrative that non-ordinary states of consciousness, expanded states of consciousness are somehow pathological. And that is a really important conversation to begin inviting into the mental health space because in Western psychiatry and Western psychology, we have traditionally not left a lot of room for anything that could actually be described as a spiritual emergence experience or an expanded state of consciousness experience without immediately trying to put it into the box of psychosis. And so we wanted to bring Christina Luna on to share her experience with navigating these spaces of non-ordinary states of consciousness and how being open to this really led her to a space of being able to share her spiritual gifts and her healing powers and her medicine with a large community of people. Christina is such a powerful woman. And in this, she actually also, she's an astrologer and she gave us a reading for 2021 and what to expect, which she's also gifting to our community. She has it for free on her website. So we're going to link to it in our show notes. If you guys are interested, I would highly suggest looking into it. And with that pretty mental family, let's take in a deep breath. And tune in. It is 12.39 p.m. PST, February 6th, 2021. We are calling in our ancestors, our spirit guides, our angels. We are calling in our spirit tribe. We are opening ourselves up as vessels for this conversation to bring in our highest alignment, to spread truth to those who are in our community, to open ourselves up to deeper peace, to open up our community to deeper peace and everyone that they come in contact with for the highest healing of ourselves, the highest healing of our planet. We are open. The portal is open. Christina Luna, (laughs) welcome to Pretty Mental. Thank you. So we're super excited to have you on today. Uh, Valentina started telling me about your story and... It's a very interesting perspective to bring into the mental health conversation because in Western psychology and Western psychiatry, there hasn't been a ton of room 
for talking about non-ordinary states of consciousness without making them pathological, right? So that's starting to happen more and more now with um, Stan Groff as one of the psychiatrists that has really has really led the way in that conversation and the research that we're doing into psychedelics and and holotropic breathing and just the different types of um, psychological states that we can access that go beyond what we are most of us are experiencing on a daily basis, which is only truly a very narrow window of what's possible for the human psyche. So if you could just take us on a little bit into your journey of going from existing in what we would describe as an ordinary state of consciousness to beginning to experience and exist within these non-ordinary states of consciousness. Okay, great. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to talk about this. I started out just, I just wanted normal things. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have have a house and kids. And I was like, my plan was to become a teacher so I could be a stay-at-home mom and when my kids were young and then work when they were at school. So, you know, I just wanted simple, regular, normal things. And I checked off all the all the check boxes. Like I was in college to get my credentials and I met this really charming, beautiful man. And he was, he built me a house and married me on his knee. I mean, he proposed to me on his knee and like, we got, it was like, everything was picture perfect. And we had plenty of money and lots of time. And I did become a mother and I did um, succeed. At one point I was like, a really popular vintage clothing blogger. I had viewers all over the world and I was just taking pictures of myself in beautiful settings. And it was sort of around the height of that, I don't know, success moment that I said something started feeling wrong and I couldn't put my finger on it. Like I had achieved all the things. Like I was, I was about 30 years old I had a, a really healthy child. I had a, a beautiful husband. I had lots of money. I had whole, people were telling me that I was beautiful and interesting every single day on the internet. Um, my body was gorgeous. I, ha- I lived on all this property, like literally. I there was this like, but but there's something. This isn't. There's something wrong. This is wrong. There's something wrong, and I couldn't shake that feeling. And at a certain point, um, I started this overwhelming depression, just sort of, it was like a a funk smell that I couldn't quite shake. And there were lots of very interesting circumstances that started like happening in my world that I couldn't really understand or describe. Like my son, I had a terrible nightmare and my son started screaming in the night. And then after that moment, which I'm not going to go into detail now, he actually started kind of speaking with an accent and in kind of like, I don't know, threatening to stab himself. And he was only five. So this was really scary for me. And I tried to do the normal thing. Like I tried to take him to the doctor and like we cut out sugar and, you know, we, we sat with him and talked, but I had this strange suspicion that something else was going on. And I hadn't stepped into any other, I don't know, perceptual states of what this could mean besides besides what 
unfortunately was like haunting my subconscious was that there was something going on that I wasn't that traditional doctors couldn't help me with and no amount of taking him off sugar was going to solve, you know, so, cause it wasn't actually. So things began to progress and really start falling apart. Um, like loss of conflict with my husband. And I remember at one point I was laying on my hammock outside, just feeling so overwhelmed. I was, I was like laying there wishing I would just die. And I felt, it felt like something popped and I started feeling like I'm going to go for a run. Like, I'm going to start running. I'm just going to put my shoes on. I'm going to run and I'm not going to stop. And so I went out and while I was running, all of a sudden, like my heart rate and my breathing sort of synced up and I started like hearing these voices and it was really like, I, th- I think now that I look back, I had been hearing voices for a while, but I'd been ignoring it. Like I'd been hearing this like background drone, like this, like it sounded like there was maybe like a whole bunch of people sort of quarreling in the background and it made my stomach feel very anxious. Like I would get a lot of constriction when, and I try to ignore it a lot. And in fact, I'd, I'd even started drinking. I was drinking a lot of beer. The reason I was laying on a hammock, I was actually kind of drunk because <laughs> um, I had started, it was a way of coping with that noise. And while I was running, somehow it started to feel more clear. And it was, there's this like rhythm with my breathing and my heart rate. In fact, I even wanted to close my eyes and I lived on property. So it was okay for me to do that. And I heard very audibly do lunges across this bridge and count how many it takes. And it was the first audible sentence that I heard. And it was, it's like, I say audible, but it's like a perceptual audible. Like, I don't think anyone else would have heard this. It was just like a super crystal clear demand. So I did lunges across this bridge and I counted and it took me 52 lunges. So, and when I said 52, all of a sudden these questions started from this voice and it said, what's significant about 52? And all of a sudden I was, it was like, I was hearing, well, there are 52 weeks in a year. There are 52 cards in a playing deck. There are four seasons and there's four suit in a deck. And then as soon as I started hearing that, it just was like, like something went like, I don't know how to explain. It just warped my reality because this noise of voices in the background suddenly started having some sort of, it started to make sense. Like it started, something started, I didn't want to ignore it anymore. Something started to actually click. And as soon as I got home, I was like, I got on the internet. I was doing all these internet searches to try and make sense of like, is there a correlation, blah, blah, blah. Like I, it was the, the, the the directive was if you laid a card on each week, how would you do it from the playing deck? And I immediately knew the answer. Like I knew that I would place the aces on the equinoxes and solstices. I knew that the court cards would be at the end of this, of that season beginning the next season. And like, I knew the, so this was the first time, wow, whatever's happening, I want to start paying attention to this. And things were still, uh, things progressed from that point. I actually like thought that maybe I would start like going on my treadmill and I would listen to head, I'd put headphones on my head and listen to music really loud. And I'd close my eyes on the treadmill and I'd 
breathe at a specific rate. And when I would do that, it sort of would make the like underwhelming, like the anxiety of the background noise come to the surface. And when it came, as soon as I would get to maybe minute 12 in that state, it would come to the surface. I would start crying uncontrollably. And then I'd have to lay on the ground and I would just start listening and hearing things like hearing the questions. And it became, it was so clear that I would get journals and I would just start journaling everything that I could. Like I, it was odd and random, but they would tell me to do this. And then I'd go to the internet and I'd Google search everything that I listened to, everything I heard through this process, which I started doing it pretty regularly. I still have all my journals because it was a pretty strange time. I didn't know what was happening, but there was something to, there was something that took it from the disorganized anxiety drone to the organized, like, like layers of information that came when I would do the running and the breathing. And that gave me the sense that this wasn't me going crazy. Like I, I, I was on this line for a while. I emailed my friend Gary at one point who I went to college with. I said, Gary, I'm scared. I feel like something big is changing in me. And it feels like if I indulge in it, it'll be like jumping into an ocean. And I don't know if there'll be any islands for me to get on, like to get out of it. Like, and he told me that he would be an island for me if I needed it. Like, go ahead and jump in. And if you need an island, I'll be here. And it was like, it was, that was all I kind of needed. He didn't live nearby. It was just that we had a good understanding. It was, he was someone I trusted. Like someone I trusted who didn't judge me, who knew me as an artist because we went to art school together. He kind of knew that I was already, I had an artistic mind. I had a lot of different ideas. And so he really valued that part of me and gave me that permission to just, go ahead. And in the meantime, I wasn't really talking to anyone else about it. Um, I, I briefly started talking to my husband about it and he was very on the side of like Western medicine and he was not, I could tell he like was uncomfortable with what was happening, especially since I would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and like go down and like do all these neat, like crazy Google searches and like be journaling like crazy, like just like, oh, like, like there's, there's moments when I was, I mapped my entire life in an Excel spreadsheet and I color coded every single emotional, um, like season. So I, I started, I would map like every time I ever felt like really bored or like really like stagnant in my life. And then what would happen, there'd be a peak where something dramatic would shift. And then I'd feel really happy for a period of time. Then I'd get into the groove. And I noticed that that like pattern of stagnation, peak, change, and groove had a very um, repeatable pattern in my life. Like I could actually map it. And when I color coded it, I actually saw that there was something to this madness. And my notes looked absolutely insane. But, and I felt like I was, I felt kind of like, gosh, this might be, this might be crazy. <laughs> like this might not be 
anything, but I was obsessed with proving that I wasn't crazy. And so like, I just applied my whole analytical mind, like Excel spreadsheets, color coding, like, like got it like super organized. I was the, luckily I'd go, I'd have that. And then I'd go into that sort of trance state and I would ask like, what does this mean? Cause I could, I could communicate with these voices at this point. And they would tell me, well, what else has a cyclical, cyclical pattern? Like what else takes like a certain amount of time? And I started realizing, well, the planets do, the planets. And then I discovered that those patterns I'd mapped in Excel, they corresponded perfectly with a two and a half year long Mars cycle. And it, and every year Jupiter enters a new sign. And I could, I looked at the dates and I saw that those pivot points actually coincided with astrological shifts. And so this brought me to like, okay, there's, there is more going on. I am a part of something that's happening. That's a natural phenomenon. And I'm not crazy. Like this, I'm not crazy. Like it was like a real strong assertion. And it took me, it took me probably eight months or so to like actually have that firm assertion. And luckily I wasn't working in a workplace. Like I, I was, I was a blogger. I sold vintage clothes. You know, I kind of talked about this on my blog, but the feedback I got made me feel like my viewers weren't quite ready for me to you know, I, I, I have documentation of me talking to them about this stuff. And I remember people thought I was on drugs. People thought like they just wanted the fashion, you know, like there was some of that kickback, but at this point I kind of didn't care. Like I didn't care if they liked me. I didn't care about followership. I didn't care. I didn't care if I'd lose my audience, which I did. Thousands of people just stopped following me because it just wasn't, I wasn't cohesive with my original, my previous identity. And I wasn't, I was, I was not cohesive with my original identity. <laughs> like my values changed dramatically. And what I cared about was uncovering why I could hear voices, what they meant and what they were leading me toward. And that's all I cared about. And so I started taking, I took a, a couple of classes. Um, I took like a philosophy class and it just so happened that my teacher used to live down in the old South, um, in like, and he studied like tarot and he was this old guy and he invited me to his house and like showed me his tarot cards. And I was like, what is like, okay. Like from my research, I learned that tarot was a thing that actually the, the deck of playing cards we have is the 52 minor arcana which have the, the, the swords and the, you know, the, the pentacles, they, they changed it into the playing deck and they took out the major arcana and the major arcana actually is, it's called like the great mysteries or the, the great secrets, um, that are these, that is an archetypal archetypal story. And there are different archetypal figures displayed in that part of the deck. And we've, um, in modern times, we've taken that piece out. Of course, tarot decks are back in, in, in play at this time. They're kind of popular, but originally what these were created for was actually a way for navigating the natural cycles of the earth was actually a way to navigate psychological weather patterns and an archetypal journey that all humans are a part of. It wasn't like it was a mystery. It was just something we forgot. And what I think, what I think now has happened is we went through a period of time as humans where we 
forgot to feel connected to these natural cycles. We forgot that that there's a natural flow between yin and yang and inhalation and exhalation. There are things that that start as small seeds that grow to fullness and then that die. We have overemphasized the life part of the cycle and de-emphasized the death part of the cycle. And and we've just done this culturally and socially and it's left a lot of us feeling crazy because there's this whole half of us that we fail to recognize. There's this whole other part of life that we've we've sort of been trained not to value. And I don't know why at the time in my life when all of this, I believe it was because now I believe it was because I had exhausted the life side of the cycle to the greatest extent possible. I was like ridiculously beautiful, ridiculously wealthy, ridiculously um, well supported. You know, I had, I had so I had every like measure of success that I could possibly imagine. I was even impacting lots and lots of people with my words, you know? So it was like, I got, I reached this like weird state of fulfillment at such a young age. And I was so dramatically empty at, at that high level of fulfillment that I, and there was nothing I could blame on it. There was not one thing I couldn't say. I couldn't, I even had a clean diet. Like there was nothing that I could point to except that there's more. There's more than the, the solar part of our life. There's the dark. There's the lunar. There's the mystery. There is, there's more. And for me in this lifetime, I know my soul desired to know all of it. I know I came here to feel everything and everything. And my journey has been one of like almost, I feel like my evolutions come from like the top down rather than the bottom up. You know, I, in a sense, all of this went down, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit like I was in a space of um, like, I knew I wasn't crazy for about two years but no one else knew that. Like everyone else was a bit concerned. Um, I, I like left my husband. He was, I, I left my house. I left, I left, I got rid of all my vintage clothing. I like, I left everything. I completely just left it all. I, I went to massage school. My husband was super wealthy. I left with nothing. I didn't ask, I didn't take alimony. I just was like the voices in my head. I, the, I had so much faith in the guidance of these voices that I knew that I didn't need any of it. Like it was, it was all just pretty. It was just, it was just stuff. And it was even, even with my husband, I loved him and he's in my life now. He's one of my very best friends, even though we didn't talk for about seven years after the divorce. Um, I knew that I would be very close to him again, but that his journey required something different than what I was doing. Like he needed some a diff, different people in his world for his journey. And it was like the super high level knowing that I couldn't reconcile to anyone in my life, to everyone else, my family. I looked like I was just losing everything. I, I looked like I was completely like crazy. 
<laughs> because why would a person just leave everything? Do it, like say that the voices in her head told her to and go to massage school and start a wellness center. Like why would anyone do that? You know? And, and uh, I didn't really have a lot of, um, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any context. I didn't have anything to tell anyone. But while I was in massage school, I met a woman who, um, she's a shaman. She was going to massage school because in the state of Nevada, you must have a license for a massage to touch people. And she was doing energetic healing. Um, she had gone through Alberto Villalobos coursework called the Four Winds Society. And she was getting her massage license. And I started talking to her a little bit about the phenomenon that was going on with my son, because he was still showing these strange um, signs where he would like speak with an accent. And there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on with him that I understand. I had con I have contacts for now. But when I told her that she said, we might need to do some work with him. He might need an extraction. And I didn't even know what that meant. But I took him to her and she did something over his body. And when she was complete, he was a to totally restored. He was a completely restored child. There were no more. He wasn't having the nightmares anymore. He wasn't threatening to stab me. We had to hide all the knives in my house because he was he would cry staring at the knives because he was fighting so hard, this desire to grab them and stab. And so we had to hide them all. Like it was scary. It was scary because I was losing my shit too. You know, like I'm, I'm like listening to these voices in my head. My son wants, you know, things were falling apart. We, and then of course we were going through the divorce. So things, you know, there was just a lot going on. And somehow I just knew this is all part of it. This is going to make sense in the long run. Just trust, like trust yourself. It's, this is going to be okay. When I met Lorraine, she was my teacher. She gave me, she started giving me context. She said, you know, we, we straddle both worlds. Some of us straddle both worlds. Some of us have a very strong foot in the physical. And we also have a foot in this ephemeral, this other, this invisible world. And the invisible world is just as real, but not all of us can see it. And so she took me in and it was the tradition a long time ago that if a member of your tribe actually started showing signs of um, hearing voices or mental like on um, stability, that the shaman would take them in and actually give them this context. And that's exactly what happened. She, I asked her after she did this with my son, she did a couple of sessions with me and I felt so like reborn like it was I I was like whatever this is this is home this is what I need to be doing and so I begged her to be my teacher and reluctantly she said yes and she did she taught me and two other individuals in a small container you know at her house and it was intense and beautiful and and it gave that context which is very earth-based is based it's based on the four elements it's based on what we are made of as humans it's a it was it helped me to understand what it actually is to be human what is it what is it actually to be connected to our nature to be connected to nature to not only to reconnect but to understand we've never disconnected 
our brains have just made us feel we are, which makes us actually feel crazy. And so, I mean, at, at this part of the story, it, I, it was more, it was really just walking that walk as a fresh new human, readdressing what actually is valuable to me, like looking into all the emotional states that I had suppressed for so much of my life and allowing there to be space for those. And I mean, all of this started, I was at the peak of my blogdom, the peak of my success in 2010. And the, the pop happened in the fall of 2010. And it took me from in 2012 is when I divorced. And then from 2012 to about 2016, that was the time when I was learning. Like I was just massaging. I was doing a lot of physical body work with other people and with myself as well. I was doing a lot of energetic healing with my clients and with myself as well. I was learning a lot. I was, I had, we had groups of people kind of doing the medicine wheel here in my home. I would host these retreats. And then I began um, teaching them as well, eventually. But where I am now, I actually found like a very tidy way to communicate a lot of this in a very <laughs> within the realm of astrology. I feel like astrology is like a really safe door to walk through for the most of the population these days. Um, it's it's and so this is the hat I wear now. I wear this hat of an astrologer, and people tell me when they were born, and I, 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 I understand the archetypes. Those voices I was hearing, I understand now that that was those were parts of me. They were parts of me personified outside of me because I was having such a hard time listening to myself. Like I was having such a hard time being in touch with myself. And so something, it, it just pops. And these parts of me are actually parts that every human shares. We all share this like Venus archetype. We all share a Mars archetype. We all share the Saturn archetype. So the human, all of our, our human consciousness, we're connected by these archetypes. And I believe the Greeks and the Romans, they tangibly created all these temples and monuments because I don't think it was that long ago that all humans sort of communed with these parts of themselves. And we called them gods, but really like, what does that mean anyway? Like if we're, if we're going to really break it down, like what they're meaning by these gods, is just that there are these forces that we are experiencing our life in relationship with. And when we forget those parts that there's, that all parts are welcome we, we create an imbalance in our life that in some ways must be reconciled somewhere. We're going to sacrifice somewhere. If that means that we'll need to numb parts of us or project parts of us onto others or project parts of us or have to overemphasize certain parts of us so that we can pretend like other parts of us don't exist. So I've come to the place now where when you when people step into a space with me, I, I start introducing them to these parts. And so many different schools have named these parts in so many different ways. And when we can have a personal relationship with these parts and, and get to know ourselves in this way, there's so much more richness that we can experience as a human. And so at this point in my life, I, I really see how there's an opportunity for me to 
help bridge that in some way, help bridge that, whether and that's in communication and in, in group containers, like through astrology readings, through having podcasts like this, just opening that dialogue of like, guess what? We are richly faucetted. You know, we have so many faucets to us and we are not just one thing. There's so many things. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I really just went on a psychedelic journey listening to that. That is beautiful. There's a million and one things floating around in my head right now. I need to ground myself to, to reflect back. I know. I I sort of just opened my mouth and kept going. I I didn't even leave space for you to speak. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and we we try to we you know over the different practices that we've had with with podcasting and interviews, we've learned to to take a step back and not interrupt what's coming through for the guests because what's you know you you almost just went into like a channeling state or you did essentially <laughs> as you were speaking and. The conversation on parts is so fascinating. There, that's actually, it's making its way into the psychotherapeutic realm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, it's called internal family systems. Well, I've heard of um, people doing constellations. Uh, I don't know if that's the same thing, but I'm glad to hear that because this is the nature of us. That we're multifaceted, right? That we're not just mm-hmm. one thing. Yeah. I think it's so important to acknowledge and to really start getting curious about the fact that we are not who we think we are, quote unquote, because when we attach ourselves to one identity, we limit the potential that we really have. And, you know, there's something that actually happened, I think for, for a while now, I don't know how long, but I've always... I started becoming more and more familiar that I was not the thoughts in my head because if I could observe the thoughts in my head, I was not the thoughts in my head. And then there was layers and layers and layers to that. There's multiple parts of who I am. And it was after I did ayahuasca, I think the first time, I don't know when the first time happened was, but I started like every few months or something. And Paula knows this. I'll have moments where I feel a complete detachment from an identity. And at first I almost went into a panic attack. I was like, I can't even ground myself. I don't even know what planet I'm on. I don't know. Like I felt like I was living multiple lives at one time and I could see into every parallel life, but I was looking around me and it was still, I was still here on planet earth. So it was very confusing. It was very confusing. And sometimes I felt like, did I snap? Did I just go crazy? Am I like, I think I snapped. Now I know better to when those moments happen, I just breathe into them and allow them to be what they are. But I think it's just so, I think in the Western world, anyone would label that your story and my story and multiple stories is you're crazy. Take this pill. Attach yourself to this Psychosis. Attach yourself to this one identity, fall in line, follow the system and keep going. Yeah. I think I had enough wherewithal to not, it was like for a while I had a double identity. Like I knew how to pretend like a normal person or like pretend like my old identity because I had that long period of time where I was still married and I was just fortunate. I'm so fortunate that I didn't have to maintain a job. I didn't have to, I didn't really even have to leave my house. I'd go to the grocery store. I was very, very fortunate to be supported by having my needs met. And I believe that part of that was because I was meant to unravel this 
so that I could serve humanity in a really big way. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, well, I've studied my astrology chart too, right? It wasn't necessarily that I was supposed to learn the hard way on the streets and like turn to drugs and all of this. I I actually didn't even try any plant medicines till well after I'd already assimilated everything. And when I did try the plant medicines, literally nothing happened. (laughs) Like like it was like, oh, the message was, girl, this is kind of your regular state of being. Why don't we just have a nice time while we're waiting for this to end? And most recently I did try a different type of medicine that was, that did actually impact me, but it, it, the way that it impacted me is it brought me into a place of like awakeness for this feeling of like, okay, it's time to engage with humanity now. Like I've been very contented to live a very quiet life of solitude where I just tend to my one-on-one clients. And, and this last fall, I had an experience that jolted me out of my complacency and really brought me into the space of like, all right, it's time. The humans are ready. This is going to be happening on a massive scale. Begin to speak out, begin to, to hold space, begin to create really loving, compassionate, practical containers where people can learn about themselves, you know, just begin talking about it, like step out. And so I, I definitely, um, am, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I have this platform now to talk about this because this was part of that intention. Yeah. I think that, well, humanity, the Western culture became very limited in our understanding of the human psyche and I know that that's a huge reason why so many people are suffering. I mean, just even the podcast, the intention behind it is, is, you know, our tagline is normalize being human. Mm. And what does that mean? That means embracing the full extent and the multidimensionality of every kind of psychological experience that we have and not immediately categorizing it as good or bad, right? We, we, we've come to adopt, we've come over time to adopt these very binary black and white, good and bad, sane or crazy definitions of what it means to be human. And what what's happened is that it's caused us so much distress because nobody really fits into that box. We've tried to place our, our humanity and the full extent of who we possibly are into these little tightly woven packages and and it doesn't make sense, right? Even as you you and Valentino were talking and when you're experiencing non-ordinary states of consciousness, it's I'm going crazy mm-hmm. because I'm not fitting into what has been defined, what has been shown to me is the way that I'm supposed to be experiencing reality. And there's only one appropriate way to be experiencing reality. And if that is not it, then I'm going to either be locked away, exiled, ostracized, whatever it is, um, left to fend for myself. I'm going to lose my community. And it's sad because that's not the reality of the human psyche. Right. So I, hopefully, you know, in talking about this and in the work that you're doing where we can start creating more spaces to support humans that are experiencing this spiritual unfolding, this psychic expansion without that meaning that they no longer can be part of community, right? Which is what we initially had as tribal members, um, which is what what your teacher was teaching you. And, and I've been exposed to this information as well, just that 
you know, when individuals would start hearing voices, it wasn't necessarily seen immediately as, oh, your psyche is no longer functioning. You need to be put away or you need to be numbed. It's okay. There's something new unfolding and we need to cultivate that and we need to care for you and we need to love you so that we can see what kind of information, what is coming through from you. And there's something for us to learn there. One of the things we've all talked about now is trying to keep cohesiveness with our identity is one of the strongest forces of the of the ego. <laughs> our ego really wants identity cohesiveness. That's why if we identify as um, a healthy person, we're we're probably going to take a lot of behaviors that that maintain as being healthy because that's how we identify. Um, what what happens when we start transitioning our identity is that it can be very destabilizing. And f- interestingly enough, I've also studied um, something called neurokinetic therapy. It's about the motor control center's ability to um, rewire itself through the body if there's a if there's trauma. So basically when we have a, a like a failure in the system, the motor control center opens up to learn something and then it, it reroutes to a new way of, of moving. So I don't know if I explained that clearly, but um, basically in these moments where our identity has a failure, that's actually a moment when the motor control center or the, our psyche can open because we actually experience a failure and failure opens the system to learn something new. And so the part of the process of becoming even more human or becoming even more aligned, there's a lot of identity failures along the way that I've discovered. And that identity failure can feel very disorienting at first, but I I believe it's very important whatever message we tell ourselves in that moment, we're very, very receptive to that message in that failure moment. Like we can reprogram a body to move in such a strange way just by creating physical failures and then programming a different movement in. And we can do the same every time we have an identity failure. We, we actually experience the psychological disorientation. And in that moment, we're very receptive to whatever meaning we give it. So I think that in this time right now, the most important thing we can do is to continue talking in communities like this so that when we have a momentary identity failure, we actually have a program that we can put in that is, this is part of my growth. This is part of a new way of being. This is part of a evolution. Or maybe I'm multidimensional, like um, Valentina, you said, am I like experiencing different dimensions of myself or different incarnations? You know, what if that was true? And what if to become fully dimensional, we have a little bit of a 3D identity crisis and we put in a program in that moment that allows us to be all that we are. And it doesn't make us crazy. We're not putting in, oh, no, I'm losing my shit. Oh, no, I must be crazy. Because we're very susceptible to those programs in those moments where things are a little bit in, um, yeah, a little bit in flux. That's right. And it can be such a disorienting thing. It was, I remember during my breathwork facilitation courses, I was when it really amped up 
when I started doing those first rounds of breath work, I remember all of a sudden, all I could see was myself being flip-flopped through different dimensions. And then I came back and I remember, oh God, and I have it on freaking tape because they had to record the classes and I was just crying and I could not stop crying because I had no idea what just happened. I was like, I don't even know where I am right now. I don't need, like, I know who I am, but I can't orient myself. I don't know. I sounded quote unquote crazy. And I was able to integrate that as time went on. And now when it does happen, I just, I do my breath work. I breathe into it and I realize, oh, I mean, we are multidimensional beings and very well living parallel lives. Not everyone can tap into it. And it doesn't always happen every single day that you are tapped into it. But sometimes, you know, there's like a little break in the matrix or whatever, and you can, you can see it or you can tap into it and it's okay. It's okay. You don't need to have this complete, you know, shut down of your spirit. You just, just breathe into it. You don't need to make a meaning around it. It just is what it is. Well, this is why it's good. Um, for example, before people engage with psychedelic experiences for you, Christina, it happened naturally, right? So you, yeah. You didn't have time to prepare. You just kind of had to flow with what was happening and integrate and figure it out later. But this is why it's so important uh, for people before they engage in intentionally um, induce psychedelic experiences that are uh, consciousness expanding to have tools in their arsenal for grounding and for being able to bring themselves back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that for me, if I hadn't had the Vipassana training um, to, to release the mind, to release the stories in the mind. For example, my first psilocybin trip, it just could have gone very, very different if I didn't have an ability to kind of release those, those voice, those narratives and just observe. Um, and actually I want to read this little passage by, uh, Stanis, uh, Stanislav Groff, the doctor I was talking to you guys about, um, who's been one of the the leading experts talking about non-ordinary states of consciousness. And so he said, the most important task is to give people in crisis a positive context for their experiences and sufficient information about the process that they are going through. It is essential that they move away from the concept of disease and recognize the potential healing nature of their crisis. Whether attitudes and interactions in the narrow circle of close relatives and friends are nourishing and supportive, or fearful and judgmental and manipulative makes a considerable difference in terms of the course and outcome of the episode. That yep. So it's, it's sort of when you start to feel the destabilization of your identity, making sure like because that's what happens with the psychedelics. It destabilizes your identity, and so by giving the context and supportive narratives in that moment, that's exactly well how are we on time? I've got a little something I'd like to share about the year ahead that I I feel is really aligned with what we're talking about and exactly what you just said. At the beginning of 2020, I did a reading for the year. I I do a lot of 2020 readings. I did a lot of 2020 readings. And I, after doing so many of them, I created a cohesive storyline for how 2020 would go down. And I didn't know the circumstances. I didn't know there would be a pandemic. I didn't know, I didn't know any of those details, but I knew psychologically what was happening for the collective. And that's exactly what happened. I was, I can see it clear as day how like, and it's, it feels, I, I wept. It feels miraculous that actually a pandemic could cultivate and create such beautiful breakthroughs for humanity. 
Um, I know everyone has their own opinions, but for 2021, I've just completed a very, a very, very many of these 2021 personal readings. And it's like the energy for 2021 has a very interesting um, arc to it. And it's very similar to a global medicine circle by mid-year. And I feel it's really important for us to talk about this because not all of us are going to have this experience through like voluntarily by with like medicines or with shaman or with breath work. Like not a lot of humans are seeking it out now because they want to be a little more proactive in their ability to access these parts of themselves. However, there will be some phenomenon this year that will allow the globe to experience disorientation of their identity and have opportunities for beautiful catalyzing transformation. And the flow of it is that this first part of the year, the first up until um, May, we are going to notice that oftentimes we'll need to just take action based on our gut instincts and say yes to things, even if we don't have a rational reason for why we're saying yes. There will be a lot of like, I don't know exactly why I'm doing this, but it feels right. And this, it will feel right to move. It'll feel right to clean out your house. It'll feel right to change your diet. It'll feel, it's just going to feel like, I don't know why I've been putting this off for a long time, but now I want to do it. And I'm suggesting that everyone who hears this Take action on your hunches. Follow your gut instincts. If your gut instinct says, get into therapy, get into therapy. If your gut instinct says, it's time to move, or it's time to break up with someone, or it's time to um, double down on some sort of ritual or practice for yourself, do it. Because this is actually the, like, if you imagine that you've signed up for a medicine ceremony, there's always this preparation that takes place. And those who prepare actually prepare for a really graceful transition. So every single person has a gut instinct that will tell them their personal way to prepare. So every single person just do that thing. You all know what it is. Everyone knows what it is. Um, For me, it's very health related. And so that's what I'm doing. And it's house related. I'm moving as well. So Next, the next phase of this um, through the first, I don't know, four or five months will be in that mode. Um, When it starts, when we get to May, June, and July, everyone will respond differently. But if anyone, if you have any experience, like just like with my story, I had this weird discontented feeling, this like low level anxiety that was kind of in the background. Like I felt like something was about to happen, but I didn't know what it was. And it was kind of, it was like scary and I wanted to cope with it. So I started drinking alcohol. Okay. There will be this tension where the collective consciousness will understand that something is about to change. I don't know if it's your experience, but sometimes when you sign up for a medicine ceremony or a big class, all of your shadows show up right before you go to the class or right before you go to circle. And it like kind of forces it all to the surface. So as a collective, we're going to sort of have some of these fears kind of float up to the surface. Then we will all as a collective get to the moment in time, which would be the beginning of June, where we will begin to sit in circle and we'll begin to sit in ceremony where we will, it's like, okay, we've, we're committed. We're going to do this. Now we're just awaiting for the appropriate time. And so there will be this period of time where we're just, just 
sitting and in awe and wait. Then, like many medicines, it may not taste good immediately. Oftentimes, the thing that's best for us doesn't come in a package that tastes delicious. We honor it and we respect it. And so I expect that the collective will get some sort of interesting medicine and we'll know that it's good for us, but we might not like the way it tastes. So after medicine is taken, this is all metaphoric, mind you, after medicine is taken, there will be a period of time where we're waiting for the medicine to kick in and we don't know what will happen. We've already committed. We're already, we're still alive on the planet and we're in our lives and we're waiting to see what will happen for us. And when the identity starts to become pliable, that's when every individual will begin acting in their own way with the struggle of their ego. Um, with the struggle of their desire to remain consistent. And so that struggle could look could look really easy. It could look like just taking a deep breath and relaxing. It could just look like letting the constriction out of your belly and just trusting the process. It could look like really contracting, really constricting, shortening the breath, stressing out, getting nauseous, throwing up, pooping yourself, you know, screaming, crying, like it could look like whatever it could look like. And no, um, no way of responding is good or bad. It's just that we all have different ways of protecting our identity or protecting the character that we've been being this whole lifetime. And so whatever that that strategy is will probably surface. That will be happening in June. Then there's a moment when after you've completely released, the collective will have like, and that's when things are experienced that don't have any context. That's when you're in the space of surrender and things are revealed to you, each individual are exactly perfect for each individual. And I have no way of knowing what that thing will be. Every single person will have their own experience. Usually that will last for a period of time. In that moment, it'll feel timeless. It'll feel like there's no context. There's no 3D context for anything. And then come uh, July, there will be some really beautiful um, conjunctions that will shift the power structure. It'll shift what we even think is powerful, what we even think of as power. Something will, there'll be a a fundamental human value system shift. And in that process, there'll be a changing of the guard from just behaving without knowing why to suddenly knowing why everything. It'll, it's like that the moment in the medicine ceremony where you kind of understand why everything has ever happened to you, why every single heartbreak, every single joy, every single success and failure, every single lifetime, why it all happened for you. It's all into context. It's so beautiful. The entire tapestry and every single person's connected. Like there's that moment where that connection is so tangibly felt. And I believe that the timing of that will be in July. There's a lot of reasons. I'm not going to go into all the specifics, but as an astrologer and as a person who's read a lot of charts so far this year, I've seen this 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 elephant from many different directions now, and this is my like this is what I'm seeing as a collective that will experience. So when we have that moment, 
there's a lot of cathartic like tears. There's a lot of celebration. Usually the circle um, convenes together and has a meal together to celebrate and share everything that they learned. So I expect that there'll be a whole bunch of social sharing. Everyone will have different opinions of like, this is what we need to do. This is what, this is what, this is what that meant. This is what I'm going to do. This is blah, blah, blah. So we'll all share. And then we'll have to go back to our lives again. There'll be a moment where you go home and you realize that the person you were before all of this happened was the one that created this life for you. And there's a lot of changes there that have to happen to integrate what you just learned. So the difference is after this phenomenon, instead of acting from just acting from a felt gut sense without knowing why, we will actually know exactly why. We'll be very, very clearly connected to the bigger why. And we'll be very compelled to make those changes. And I see that looking like everything from communicating to a team of people, to restructuring your household, to, you know, just it's going to be everything from the littlest to the biggest things will go through a reorganization. And the whole fall season will be preparing for a time when Venus will go retrograde at the very end of the year. And what I believe that will be is a period of time where there will be a major reset of how we're valuing I don't, when I say feminine, I don't mean women, how we're valuing feminine wisdom, like the receptive state, the other side of the, of the pole. You know, I talked about how I really mastered the, the yang side of everything, like the, the riches and the wealth and the beauty and the success. I really mastered that. We're going to move into a period of time where we're going to really value as equally the yin side of the equation, the death side of the equation, the um, the cold side of the equation, the side of the equation that knows the truth about what we really are, about what it means to be a human and to be fully alive and to be and to die, and the beauty of our multidimensional selves. And so I know this sounds a little bit esoteric and a little bit like above, like a high above the circumstances of our world. However, the circumstances of the world are going to manifest the exact formula for every single human. Like there, even though there was a pandemic, every single human experienced that pandemic differently, every single one of us. And so there can be global events, but it's all for the sake of our human experience with it. And we have so much so much more involvement with the way we experience things than we've ever given ourselves credit in the past. And I think this year is the year where we'll actually really understand what our part is in that, how we're co-creating these things. So I can imagine hearing this, that some people, as this plays out, will be able to flow with the journey in a really surrendered way because they've had the tools. And I can imagine that there are other people whose egos want to fight every bit of what's happening and hold on to the identity that they've created for themselves. So I want to know your perspective as this folds out, you know, you're speaking to our entire community as what, as your client, how can they help themselves as everything unfolds? Well, this is another thing I know 
there are experts in their fields positioned perfectly to serve large amounts of people. And you are included in that. The two of you just having this podcast is part of that. I've worked there. Most of my clients actually are, they've all of their life experiences. Like they'll, they'll, they'll be sitting there with the confidence of knowing this is not their first rodeo. And like, if you've ever experienced the flow of something like this, Basically, you're going to see more and more how just us being visual, just us showing up is going to be a reminder and like a, like, you know, even in every ayahuasca circle, there are these, there's the ayahuascaro and then there's the helpers around the circle that are in the space and supporting the people in the space. So if you find that you're one of the individuals in the space, now is a good time if you feel the gut instinct to align with communities that are can hold space. Now is the time to we 2020 actually prepared us to align with our tribe, to know ourselves better so that we could connect intimately, more intimately with the people who we want to trust, who we want to link arms with, who we want to go go into the depths of our emotions with. And so 2020 prepared was a perfect preparation because it was like, it did all the things necessary for us to actually like acknowledge, have the breakdowns, acknowledge the things that weren't sustainable, weren't working for us, align with people who we feel supported by and who we want to support. Now it's just double down on that. Like if you, if we find ourselves in the circle, ask for help. There are people there are so many people positioned in areas of in, in wanting to serve. Those people, if you think about it, the people who stand in circle, they don't actually do anything. They just hold space for you. There are people, there are people praying. There are meditation groups that meet every single day holding space for humanity. There's a whole field of support that's always, always available to every single human. All they need to do is lift their hand over their head to feel it. Like it's a simple physiology shift. So I think your question is how, if people are hearing this and they are feeling like they need additional support while they're transitioning their identity, what should they do? And the thing they should do is know that this is natural, know that this is global, know that they're not alone, and know that there are people holding space for them in every single dimension all over the entire world. Like this, this is, it's safe to be alive, and it's safe to die, and it's safe to be scared, and it's safe to be excited, to be completely ecstatic. It's safe to celebrate, and it's safe to mourn. Like all of these things are safe. And that's what I would remind someone if they're going through something like it's safe to feel this right now. And they're in community, pretty mental family. We've got your back. (laughs) (laughs) We are here holding down the fort as all these shifts take place. And Christina, you were saying, I think that you were about to go into this and then about holding your hand up. Is that like a greater thing? Because I know you did this in... And I'll give people greater context to how you and I know each other, but you held a workshop where you taught this little exercise, which not little, I mean, it was very powerful, very powerful. Are you able to go into that a little right now? Or is that? 
Yeah, it's there's it's a whole body of work. Um, it's actually uh, just to give it context, the way we move our body changes the perceptual fields that we engage in. Literally, like this has been proven through Harvard studies. Like you can talk, they talk about the like Wonder Woman stance, like the way that you hold your body actually gives you an opportunity to tap into different thoughts, different ideas, and different perceptual states. And so I do an exercise where I allow people to experience, and I don't want to do it here because I, I do want to like let there be, we can give the context, we can give because it's without the contrast, it doesn't make sense. I know because you did it in a whole hour of an event. <laughs> Yeah, you give you give the context. You 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 give them the contrast of like identifying with exactly who they are right now, with all the roles and responsibilities and all the fears and all the heaviness and like or the things that they're trying to accomplish or all these ideas. You just give them the context of how that feels tangibly from this physiology, and then you give them an alternate physiology with a different focus focal point in a different time and space and in time. And what that does is it gives contrast between physiologies and focuses. And as soon as you feel that contrast tangibly, you realize that there's more to our bodies than just getting us from point A to point B, that these are actually energetic vessels. These are instruments these are these bodies generate energy. They they help us navigate different fields of consciousness and territories in, in our in our minds. Like these are magical, magical bodies. And this is a this practice that you learned in the workshop. That's just one sampling of that. That's just one example of it. But and I know breath work is part of that too. Like, like that really just changing the breath can shift. So these bodies have so much more capacity than we've ever given them credit. That, that is something I'm passionate about helping people with. That's actually, um, that's the last little in, in, you know, a lot of times when I'm preparing for, for these interviews or when I'm going to give a presentation or a talk, I'll do like a quick research. I'll have a quick research moment and there's a tendency for my mind and that quick search to help me land on exactly when I need to. And I just trust that now, just the way that that last paragraph I read, I, I, I just knew that I had to stop my search there. And I was like, for, that's going to be read in the middle of the interview. And it was, it played right into identity. And I didn't read the second part. I'm like, oh, this is the moment to read it. And he goes, so therapy should not be limited to talking and should allow full experience and direct release of emotion. It is absolutely essential to respect the he healing wisdom of the transformative process to support its natural course and to honor and accept the entire spectrum mm -hmm. of human experience. So getting at utilizing the whole body, which is something that Valentina and I talk on the podcast about all the time, um, going beyond talking and utilizing these the, the physical body as a vessel for helping us integrate in expanded states of consciousness. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's all connected. And I, as we're gearing up at the end here, I really would love if you could talk about the container that you're holding with Awaken Village. Absolutely. I, more than ever right now, the stories we're telling ourselves, like we just talked about, like 
we're going to be experiencing a lot of flexibility and we're going to be experiencing kind of failures, failures of cohesiveness. And it's more important than ever to investigate the stories that we're telling ourselves about our lives. And Awaken Village is, is, is more than a publishing company. It's more than a book writing company. It's, it's a giving voice for the new paradigm. And it looks like facilitating spaces for people to investigate their stories and tell them, to share them with other people. It looks like um, writing books and actually sharing those books in a very tangible way with the world. It looks like getting your message out there like through podcasts and through uh, other avenues. So the container that I'm holding on the 12th of February, uh, it's, it's just called Awaken Your Story. And the, it's meant to be a spark call. It's meant to it's meant to just ignite something that is already totally prepared. It's there's so much fuel inside of every person at this point. And so what all it is is just a just an igniter switch. It's just going to introduce some of the things that we can do with our physiology is introduce some of the characters that we can get to know and integrate within ourselves to help us navigate our own story. So that's what it's happening. It's free next Friday. Um, I believe after the webinar, there is going to be a group container for individuals to join and share their stories and get peer reviews and like get feedback. And um, I'll be interviewing the leader of that group this evening. So I'll, I can have that interview available for your listeners too, if they're interested in learning more about that container. Yeah, no, definitely. And we'll make sure to add everything to the show notes as well. But it's pretty cool. It's this container that. Y- essentially people will have a book published by the end of it, but the entire journey is almost like an internal psychedelic soul exploration that will then turn into a book that you will share with the world. Just like we're sharing stories on this platform. They'll share their story in the form of a solid piece of literature, which I think is super, super cool. And it's free. So we'll post it on our, on our show notes in case you guys want to, in case you guys are curious. And so, and so the event coming on this coming Friday, Mm -hmm. February 12th. Yeah. Is, is kind of, is the initial spark for getting that process going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a spark. And so we had, we, we did one a couple of weeks ago, which Valentina was present to, and it was, it, it sparked everyone that was there. And so I did not expect <laughs> what happened in that event. Right. And so we're actually doing it again and we're, we're just kind of getting the word out even greater this time because the world needs the spark right now. We need supportive communities. We need to investigate our stories. We need to tell our stories for others because it can help to guide people through dark times um, just to know that another person has done this. Everyone has an obstacle that they've gotten over in their lives. And just knowing that a person has gotten over the obstacles that we are facing in the moment can help us be with that obstacle and help us. And, and that's why we talk about mental health. That's why we talk about these things. Because even if, if you're at that place where the obstacle is really real and present for you, knowing that other people have been there They've been with it. They've transformed their lives, and now look at look at how they got through it. Like there is an there is a rainbow. There is an end of a rainbow. You know. I also wanted to offer. I created a 
a year ahead PDF with all the major astrological dates for 2021. And it's free to download on my website. And so uh, my website is lunation.live, but you can include that. I just, I'm giving it away for free because I want everyone to have something to be able to navigate. Um, there's not even an email opt-in at this point. Like, I'm just like, seriously, just get this thing and do it. <laughs> um, but I want yeah. it available to your audience as well. Thank you. Thank and we'll you. link to that in the show notes as well. Is that the best place where anyone can get in contact with you? As you were talking, Absolutely. I was like, I want to do a chart with you. I want you to I know, too. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> please tell me that you're still doing this because I need to know yes. all my parts and how we can best move forward. Yes, absolutely. Um, everything's available at my website. Okay, cool. And we'll link that below. And then the last question that we have for everyone in our podcast is what does mental health mean for you at this point in your life? Mental health for me means glancing over at my daughter while she's playing and realizing that I can actually feel how much I love her. And I can actually be like, I'm so present with exactly how she is right now, exactly as I am right now. And that this is exactly, this is, this is the perfection. That's what mental health means for me right now. It's this, it's these like really simple, poignant, beautiful moments that stack up all day long. Mm. And being That's able to, so beautiful. And being able to be present, fully present for each of them. Yeah. I literally just wrote something on one of my Instagram stories about how heaven on earth for me, how that's cultivated is through just being in the ultimate present moment, mm-hmm. which is aligned with what you just said. So I really resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> thank you so much for being on this podcast. I'm so excited to share yeah. this. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. This is completely aligned with what I want to be doing these days, just talking, just sharing. Thank you. And and the best way for people to find you is on your website. Yep. It's lunation, like a moon lunation, lunation.live. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Christina. I'll send you all the information of when we're going to release this pod. Well, Monday, it'll be released Monday. So Okay. Yes. Don't hang up. This is super random, but um, hold on. Right before Valentina, Valentina goes, "Hey, can you?" Uh, she told me that we were going to interview you, and I was like, "Okay, cool." So she gave me the link to your website, and I went to your. I just had to share. This is so random, and I went to your website, and I saw the picture that you had on your uh, the picture that you have on your logo, right? That snake. And hold on one second. Let me show you. <laughs> I see a snake in the background of her. <laughs> yeah. This is pretty trippy when I um when I sent when she sent me this. So she she sent me your website and I go there and I go, okay, so literally the night before, the night before I randomly just drew this. Oh my gosh. Just you have to put that side by side next to the snake that you have on your website. I don't know how clearly you have your website snake implanted in your head, but it's creepy how I mean, like, that's you like know, the they both, literally the night before she goes, oh, we should interview her. Look at her website. I go, what the f-? I literally just randomly for no reason whatsoever. Uh, that came okay, out of me. So this is if we have a couple, I have a client at two o'clock, so I'm just going to share this briefly. So this year, that was actually a message for me. You just gave me a sign because I am writing a book with Awakened Village right now. And it's not published yet, but it's about a woman who has a note. Her name is Isabel. She believes 
she's seeing all these signs. She believes she's something called a serpent priestess. She doesn't know what that means. And the serpent um, symbology is what takes her into the rabbit hole. And she actually learns that there's a lineage of women who were given wisdom through serpent energy. And that the entire book that I'm writing is about her following the signs. So the fact that you just showed me that is actually a sign for me because I have not published my book yet. I was waiting for the most optimum time and which I believe is this year, but like I've been sitting with this like, okay, just, just tell me when it's the right time. Just tell me when it's time. So you just sent me a sign actually. So thank you. It's <laughs> amazing. Really Once amazing. again, I have to go ground myself after this podcast. I have to ground myself after our podcast because they send me on some serious trips. Can we leave that in the, can we leave that in the episode or is yeah. that? Yeah, you can leave it. Can leave all that? Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. <sighs> Can't thank wait to read for- it. I'm definitely, definitely going to be reading that book. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a it's her navigating through her erotic lifestyle, like her erotic landscape, because she's got a lot of shame around her erotic landscape, and so the serpent actually helps her to navigate that space. Okay, that has been a huge Not healing okay. thing for me, and also like randomly, a few months ago, I drew this too. And it's, that, I saw that in the background. So it could be that, okay, I'm not, you could be part of a serpent lineage. <laughs> like, I, you could be a serpent priestess and I will talk to you more about what that means to me. Um, but there's something, there's many, many of us and it's a ancient memory that we're trying to bring all the way to the surface in this lifetime because it has to do with the other side of the, the other side of the equation. And I had a snake, my snake just died last weekend and I had to, I was like really with that energy. So there's a lot, there's a lot that we need to talk about actually. (laughs) Can we talk about, when can we talk about this? All right, you guys stay tuned for the second episode where we talk about Paula being an ancient priestess. (laughs) Bye Christina. Thank you so much. We'll be making an appointment with you very, very soon to get our charts read. Wonderful. See you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. Don't forget to tune in every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. And don't forget to check the show notes if you guys are interested in joining the free event that Christina is hosting on this Friday, February 12th. So check the show notes. Stay tuned and make sure you're following us on Instagram at Pretty Mental Official. We love you guys. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Be Be kind kind to to yourselves. Bye. Bye.